Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Staying Conscious podcast. Back again here with the fourth season. Uh, 2021, a new year. Uh, wow. Like last year was fucking insane. And I had this kind of vision that 2021 was going to be like, just like full of light and just this sort of um, like openness that would just that was just going to be created because the vaccines were going to start to roll out and perhaps some restrictions was were going to be eased. Um, but I've kind of gotten used to this sort of lifestyle now that I've adapted myself to during 2020, and I kind of enjoy it. And um, one of the ways that I've adapted is by reaching out to more people all over the world uh, to have meaningful conversations. And that's really why I started this podcast. So I think that 2020 actually brought something very insightful for me. And, um, well, the first guest for the fourth season now is uh, a guy called Gary Haskins, if I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Is it Haskins? Yep, Gary Haskins. All right, great. And um, you are the host of The Conscious Perspective, uh, a podcast that you have. uh, Well, you actually, I was one of your guests, and uh, we had a very meaningful conversation and you basically like what could you explain perhaps a bit what is your purpose with your podcast what you do and why you do it mm. um i started off the whole platform as a way for me to expand my yogic practice uh my inspiration was from literally uh, a yoga teacher training that i was in a zoom call with because we couldn't meet up because the pandemic, this was in like uh, April or May. And I noticed I was speaking to the teacher that we had, our instructor, kind of like in a conversational uh, interview kind of format. Like I was, I was asking him a lot more questions than all the other students were in the call. And then something just dawned at me. I said, wait a sec, this is kind of like an interview that I'm kind of holding with this guy. And then I, and then something just like a light bulb lit up in my head. I'm like, wait, I don't have to, kind of uh, live in the guidelines of a yoga teacher training, you know, I can just do this myself if I want to. So from there, um, I just started to reach out to like-minded yogis um, and other interesting people. And it kind of just is taken a life of its own. And I have people reaching out to me at this point. Um, and then I have people that I reached out to that I thought would never want to speak to some random guy. <laughs> from america and uh yeah it's honestly i don't really it, i'm so new to the, the whole experience of doing it i don't really know where it's going but my purpose is pretty much like i said uh i started off with i want to just expand my practice and if anyone wants to join me along for the ride with my my curious uh my curious endeavors then um they can join me and if they don't then well i'm just having a good conversation and that's kind of yeah. how i'm i'm structuring my entire platform wow that's awesome so it kind of happened by coincidence for yeah the, yeah the stars will seem to align in the right way and and like i always knew i wanted to make some kind of like media revolving around the whole yogic lifestyle and you know i, I call it the whole the conscious perspective like the whole um i guess mindset that we seem to be donning as a species like that whole just like getting rid of the old paradigm and coming into like this new wavelength, I guess that we all live upon. 
but um, I never really know what I wanted to do until I just kind of accidentally came upon that. And I said, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to try this. And it was just like, um, it was just kind of something I just like, I'm going to try it out, see if it works, see if people want to talk to me. And I'm still surprised I have so many people that want to talk to me. Like the first guy that I emailed, I was like literally nervous to send the email. Like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if he's going to like, like me. And it was just like this, this, uh, the fear of failure. And I just, uh, I did it and he was like, yeah, I'd happy to come on. And then ever since then, I just reach out to people like you and reach out to people from all over the world and they want to have a good convo and we get into some pretty uh, intense esoteric topics. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it's fun. Like, honestly, at this point, I'm just having some fun, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not really going out to try and get like a million subscribers or take over the world or anything. I'm really just trying to enjoy it. And I think yeah. that's kind of uh, important. Like, if you don't enjoy what we, we do here online for the media that we create, then it's really not going to work. Because if it's not authentic, people will pick up on that inauthenticity and it just won't, people won't really vibe with it. So I think if I, you know, my, my whole attitude is, is when I stop having a, a good time with it and stop having fun or, or have like forceful conversations or, just when, when it just doesn't vibe the same way that I, I kind of uh, am vibing with it right now, then it might be time to hang it up and move on to something else. But right now, it's just kind of like in the moment, just kind of going along with it and just uh, learning the most that I can from these very interesting people that I've had. You included. You're one of them. Right. Wow. Yeah. And um, I can relate a lot to what you're saying there. Uh because it sounds like you mentioned that you're having fun with it. And I think that's like the greatest thing, really, yeah. as long as you're having fun. Because when it becomes a sort of, well, everything becomes a chore, really. I mean, we, we need to set up certain disciplines for ourselves. But when it becomes something that's like a, a hassle, it's not effortless, it, it's something that you have to kind of chase, then it, um, it kind of demotivates you. So having that basic, you know, feeling of just enjoyment itself when doing these podcasts, as I also have, uh, then things become very effortless. And uh, when it's effortless, it's actually, you, you open up for more creativeness as well, you know? Yeah. Because you're, you're a lot more open-minded, you're a lot more calm, and you can take it basically into, there are infinite possibilities to take it from there. You haven't, you haven't like, uh, attached yourself to a certain paradigm when yep. it comes to your craft and so any opportunities really open and it sounds like you're having fun with it and you're succeeding quite well as well so that's great <laughs> yeah it's also like staying detached from any kind of outcome right. you know it's the fun and, and with that fun comes with it i don't know what comes first actually detachment from outcome and then the fun comes or the fun and then from that there's a detachment of outcome i don't know mm. I don't know which one comes first, the chicken or the egg, but I would have to say it's, it's just an important aspect to just like, I don't really care. Like I'm doing this, whether it's just me watching or it's going to be other people watching, you know? And I think that is so important because, you know, we live in a world where everybody's seeking external validation from everybody online and like, Oh, if I don't get X amount of likes or X amount of views, then I I must suck or I must be doing the wrong thing or like people just don't like me. But at that I, I just really don't even care. Like I just genuinely like having very far out um, existential conversations with people. And I don't know a lot of people in my personal life, like around me locally that I could have these kind of conversations with. So this is really mm-hmm. just like an extension of my interest. Like I'm, I'm like an extroverted 
monk you know i'm like i'm like i'm like uh i like my alone time but i also like connecting to others and the only way that i can connect to others on that level is to be able to just say hey man you want to have a conversation go on a zoom call for an hour or two yeah. and and yeah it's a formula that is uh i'm gonna right. keep it's like it's kind of amazing because <clears throat> like, like usually when you get to know a person or when you have deep conversations with people, it's usually people you know quite well, you know, because to get those deep conversations, you have to go beyond the surface of yourself. Mm. You know, you have to go deeper. And when you start talking to a, like a random person who you've never met, you don't know anything about, and you just dive deep into that, uh, like dive very deep into a conversation, it's quite amazing because you're penetrating the surface so fast and you're yeah. just going like inside of um, like if the person is, you know, what he or she is saying is genuine, which it often is, obviously, then you kind of feel that you get to know a person on a very, very deep level. Yeah. And, uh, and that's great. Like in such a short amount of time that that thing can happen. Um, it's quite amazing. Yeah, I don't really know how. I, I was actually thinking about that the other day, too. I was, I was thinking about the, pretty much what you just said. And I was like, how do I? I think it's just I just have a natural knack for making people feel comfortable i think it's like if in order to get to that level of just like you know talking about whatever we talk about like you know existentialism spiritualism just the other side of the the, the human coin and the default mode network you have to be build comfort with the person because right. in order to go to those depths <clears throat> you have to make yourself vulnerable and you might right. like say things that may i don't know just like touch on emotions that you don't usually touch on and just it's a lot more than just face value interaction of like, Hey, how about, how about those Red Sox? Or, you know, how about the weather? It's, it's, yeah. it's something like opening up something. And, and, but first I think it's, I think that the whole vulnerability and making somebody else vulnerable, um, it starts with first opening yourself up to like those conversations and, and, and having somebody say, uh, having me say to like somebody like, you know, or not necessarily saying straight up, like, Hey, it's okay to open up, but like kind of like opening up first and showing them that it's okay. And, uh, somehow building rapport and comfort and in interactions is important. And I don't know why, maybe there's something over the internet makes people feel more comfortable, like, cause we're in our own homes or something or, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it could be something like that. Like we feel that we are kind of like an identity online as well. You know, like yeah. when I, for example, when I do my marketing online uh, as much as I can, then it, it feels like there's a sort of separation between me and the person that I'm presenting online, even though it's the same person, like I have the same values and everything. It still feels like there's this separation. So perhaps it's kind of like we're giving that other sort of identity that we have like to the other person i don't know <laughs> just speculations but uh, there could be something about that that we are more comfortable because we're kind of there's a sort of hidden shield that's there mm. but uh, we're not really aware of what it is yeah i know what you mean it's like oh, the online personality like oh that's not me mm. like i can act however i want to act and say whatever whatever i want to say because that's just that's not right me, i guess which it really isn't actually you know it's actually not you right. like however that i want to portray myself or you want to portray yourself it's not really what i guess i am but i mean 
I think the, the, to, the key is authenticity is to portray as close as you are in real life. Yeah. As, as you can online. Like the, what I'm trying to say is like, if you can remain authentic to how you are in, in your regular life and then portray that as your, as your character online, I think that's important because that's what people want. Like you can smell fakery a mile away online. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It's like kind of the same when I got started with, um, conscious motivations, you know, I do, uh, I have a YouTube channel as well, but it's mostly like for fun. It's more just for myself, like just talking, you know, about random philosophical topics. But though, when I started to do the thing with YouTube, I realized that there was a certain part of myself that in my ordinary life, like let's say my offline life, I didn't get to express that much. So mm. I kind of felt like YouTube became uh, a platform where I could express a part of me that's still very genuine, but that just doesn't get the chance to be expressed uh, in the real world. So, yeah. And then after I started doing that, that part became more um re relevant in the real world and i started to be more like that you know in the way that i talked the way that i thought and so on so it can kind of be the opposite way as well that there is a part of you that does not get to be expressed but since you have that sort of shield you are more confident to express that part of yourself mm. and so you can kind of create the belief that all right this is actually who i am and then you start acting like that in real yeah. life as well or not acting it's just what you become it's what you are mm. it is all acting though like essentially like we are whether you like it or not we're all acting in a certain way you know right but right. i mean it's just like that it's just the difference of if you know you're acting or not because we all have an ego that we can't escape and whether it's your online ego or your 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 real life ego quote unquote there either way we're putting on some kind of act um, but I think as long as you know that it's some kind of act in your, in, in, in your, in your script as an actor, you're, you're doing the right thing to facilitate other people also finding out that they're in an act. I think mm. that's also, that's, that's fine, you know, because we can't escape the act. Yeah. The act of life. <laughs> right. Right. And that's also quite scary. Like knowing that we are acting, it's just, we're not aware of it and it, since we're not aware of it aware of it we're so like so deeply into the act that if we actually get reminded that hey like this is an act then we mm. we get kind of disturbed you know there's this confusion that happens yeah. um but how do you think that we can become more aware of realizing this uh ego that we're portraying to our to really ourselves and the world how can we become more aware of it do you think mm starts with just simply kind of i mean i would just say simple meditation is probably the quickest and easiest way but you know it's not that simple you know if somebody's never meditated before you need guidance you can't just go into it with your eyes closed and find a dark room it's not really that easy like i would you but you need to make time for yourself whether it is just meditation whether it is some kind of exercise yoga um maybe pursuing some kind of creative endeavor whether it's like painting or writing journaling is huge actually because that is like that's like um like automatic writing that's like an ex exploration mm -hmm. of your of your i guess 
your unconscious or just like an exploration of how your mind works and you're like physically seeing it yeah. on paper. So it's just, there's many different ways, but I think there's just whatever it is, you have to just be with yourself mm. and, and be able to be okay with being with yourself. And then from there, you start to realize like, oh, myself is really just an act. The more and more you peel the layers back of what it means to be a human being, you kind of reach a point yeah. where like, oh, wow, wait a second. This is all just an act. Because <laughs> right. you realize what's beneath, what's on the other, what's behind the curtain. Mm. Uh, you know, the more that you, <clears throat> I'm specifically, like for me personally, meditation is extremely important in that aspect. Yeah. Um, but it might not work for somebody else. I think it will. Like personally, I do think meditation is for sing every single person on earth. Mm -hmm. But it's, I can't just tell somebody to go do it. Like, it's not that simple. You have to come to realize what it means for you in your own direct experience. And right. it could be, you know, some people, there's also different forms of meditation that might work better for mm. one person than another. So it's hard to say just simple meditation is, is what people need. But I think, um, I think it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And meditation also is, um, I also completely agree there, but, and, and it's such a broad term, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, misconceptions also about meditation. Like if we say that meditation will help someone, then we have to also kind of investigate like what type of meditation will work for them. And, um, also what meditation actually means because people have like an image, just like you said, like just sitting down, closing your eyes. Well, that's not really meditation. That's just what it looks like on the surface. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. then, like, what is important is what's happening inside of your mind, your your awareness. The stillness is there, but the um, that like intrinsic investigation that has to happen. That's really the, the trick of it. Uh, yeah. and you, it's difficult to teach someone that mm -hmm. because it's like you're using your mind to explore itself and that's the whole paradox of it and that's why it drives certain people crazy i know myself personally <laughs> like it's yeah. just like what the hell like i've spent a like a month just meditating this certain practice and it hasn't really worked like how do i know this is the right one or this one everyone says different things and there's this like weird path that you're supposed to walk to this enlightenment and hmm. you know it becomes concept after concept and it's just about penetrating those concepts one after yeah. the other uh, to really find that the bottom that's always really there that awareness um exactly but of course words cannot do it justice so experience is really all there is to it yeah what would you say meditation is when it works like what would you say is working for you with meditation you know my um standard of like what is a good meditation practice for me personally is when I reach this point, let me try to describe it in the most best, in the best way. It's like I take a step back from my thoughts so I can observe them without attaching myself to them at all. Um, yeah. So some people, they picture that as like a cloud passing through and, you know, you're not supposed to attach yourself to the cloud. But I feel it's more of a, a feeling where there's this emptiness in the middle of my head that's just like, it's perfectly empty. And it feels like that's me. Like, I, I almost feel like that emptiness is who I really am because that's where all the experience stems from. And mm -hmm. the more I'm able to connect to that point of emptiness, the better the meditation session. 
but it's just getting to that point is extremely difficult. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's kind of my standard. What What would you say would be your way of uh, like what is a good meditation session? <laughs> um, pretty similar to yours. Uh, I would. I don't. I think emptiness is a term that's thrown around a lot. It just seems very daunting. Like emptiness. It sounds like oh, empty. <laughs> I would say when I teach yoga, I say find stillness and find that peace that always resides in you. Like they're all synonymous terms, but I use like I feel like peace and stillness, even alignment. Sometimes I use those are more terms that I guess won't scare people away <laughs> for somebody that has no clue right. what we're talking about. Cause emptiness is like, oof. even though I know exactly what you're talking about, I know that mm -hmm. feeling of emptiness. It's just, it just sounds daunting. So yeah. I would, the only, I would just describe it as like a certain stillness because finding that emptiness brings me to stillness. It brings me to peace. So right. whether, whatever term you want to use, it brings me like when I can find that and almost reach like a Samadhi state, which is, you know, which is like which is you know pretty much blending with the universe becoming one essentially yeah that that is the piece that i find it's like that that knowing i i come into that that stillness and then in that stillness i find my interconnectivity between everything that's around me and even my own thoughts and where my thoughts come from and i'm able to like that that um, identification as the observer, as the witness, that is the stillness that oh that we always have. Like we we can reside in that at all times. Very hard to do. A lot easier said than done. That's for sure. But it's always yeah. there, and it's it's kind of like good hope. You know, it's a good sense of salvation that I find from that. Like finding that emptiness or that stillness is to know that even though I might not always be residing in that, because you know we live in a crazy crazy world with a lot of distractions but just the simple fact that i know it's there is enough mm. you know the, and to know that i can touch upon it when i want to it might take a little bit of time it might take some effort but to know that it's there is simply peace for me all right i see um and when people explain about enlightenment and they talk about being enlightened when you describe that peace of mind, like, do you think that enlightenment would be some sort of like permanent state of that peace or is it something else? Hmm. I mean, putting it simply, I mean, there's a lot of people that have different conceptual models for enlightenment, but I putting it simply in my own opinion, it's coming to the awareness that we are, you're more than just a meat suit. You're more than just meets the eye. You're more than just this human being with its drama and its sensual uh, pleasures. And, and you know, you're more than just your, your job and your, your paycheck. You're, there's way more to what your being is than what we've been sold. And that's kind of like the first stage of enlightenment. It's kind of come into that awareness. And then I would say enlightenment isn't like a point you come to at a certain point in time. I mean, I think sometimes you can come to the awareness that I just described at a certain point in time. It might be uh, start from like a psychedelic experience or like a traumatic experience or whatever. There could be some kind of catalyst. But I think enlightenment itself is a journey and the journey is the destination. And once you're on the path, you don't really sway from the path because that peace that I, and stillness that I talked about before 
like I said, I don't always reside in that, but knowing that it's attainable and knowing that I can reside in that, that is for me personally, it might not be somebody else. For me, that is enlightenment. Knowing that there, there is that peace, that the kingdom of heaven is within, I just have to find it first. To me, that is enlightenment. But other people would say that it's a, it's a point where you do get to and you don't really go back and, you know, the, the whole world looks different and feels different. But I don't really, for me personally, I don't think it's really like that. Maybe I haven't reached that state. I don't know. Maybe I will in the future. But all I know is that uh, I'm on, I'm just kind of trying to find some kind of peace and liberation that I know is there. And it's just like a, it's an ongoing process. That's the process of yoga. It's a process of deconditioning ourselves and conditioning ourselves into um, a happier and healthier being. Yeah. So I would say enlightenment is a journey. It's a, it's not like something that we get to and like, all right, that's it. Boom. I'm enlightened. Nothing else to do. They say, you know, the, the famous saying it's a uh, pre enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And that's kind of what I abide by. I don't really care if I'm enlightened or not, whatever that term that people want to use, because enlightenment for you may mean something than enlightenment for me. And then it might mean something different for the seven and a half billion people all around the world. So it really doesn't matter if I call myself enlightened or not. It's, it's irrelevant to my own experience, you know? Yeah. Right, right. I, I completely agree there. I mean, I haven't really formed a personal opinion about enlightenment per se. It's more like I just try to, I, I like to kind of find other people's perspective of it. Because, but there is something that's quite similar, although like in every, mm-hmm. when, whenever uh, people explain about it, there's like a common factor. And it's us- it usually revolves around the nothingness, emptiness, stillness. So there is something there that uh, we can kind of explore and kind of use as a guideline to see perhaps if we're on the right path or not. Even though it might not lead up to something specific, uh, it might be just like a gradual shift, you know, extremely gradual. And um, I mean, some people, they say there are like different levels of consciousness, just like infinite levels of it. Some people say there's just one point that you get to. And like you said, like, and just everything you you become aware of everything or that you're god or whatever or the way that you described it as a journey that's just it might or might not lead up to something and uh, it's different for everyone so uh, very um interesting to see the, these different perspectives but i wonder because you mentioned before about certain things that might lead up to this uh, stillness you mentioned meditation psychedelics uh, perhaps music i don't really remember but how do you think that we can find that stillness in our life through, you know, everyday activities, uh, even if we don't meditate and kind of learn something from that stillness and let it influence our life in a positive way? Do you think that's possible? Like, or do you have to, do you need certain specific practices in order to reach it? So you're asking if we can cultivate that stillness in peace while we live in this world and not really pertain to any kind of rigid practice. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you definitely can. It just might take a little bit longer, like whatever. I mean, it depends what you mean. Cause when you say everyday 
like our everyday things like what does that mean you know like what do we do every day like we get up we eat um we go to whatever work we have to go to we come home go on the computer mm-hmm. and i think as long as you're able to whatever we do as long as you're able to think for yourself and be able to make decisions that aren't just just based upon um like oh like our our sensual pleasures and just trying to fulfill some kind of sensual gratification and just actually critically think about what you do and make decisions that are going to better facilitate a better life for you and people around you, then I think that's what really matters. There's no really, I think Frank Yang actually said this, dude, uh, there's no enlightened person. It's just enlightened actions. So as long as you're taking the right actions and you're performing the the right things in this process, I think that's what's important. And it's everybody's different, like how they can do that. It's just, I mean, simply, probably the first thing I would say to people is take time to put your phone down or just like get off of social media because that is like probably the number one thing that's taking people's minds. And let and letting them. The thing is, is we have like social media that, um, it doesn't really allow you to think and make decisions. It makes decisions for you. You know, it shows you what you want to see, yeah. and it, and and you know, it always has. There's always something new to see on there. When you're not thinking, you know, you're just absorbing. There's the difference between like creation and consuming. I think the, the we are we have the ability to create whatever we want to create. And if you're not, if you're not exploring that aspect of yourself, whether you're meditating or not, you're missing out on a huge portion of what it means to be a human being. So yeah, you don't have to meditate, do the 50 million yoga poses or Tai Chi or, you know, get the crystals or have some chants or, you know, mantra or something. You don't need to really do that. It definitely, if it helps you, that's great. It helps a lot of people. But as long as you're able to, um, make your own decisions and be able to uh, think critically about yourself. Really, like, and that—that that means not just like, like, actually, just sit down and contemplate, like, what you are, who you are, where you want to take your life. I think it's definitely hundred percent possible. Yes, it's just like these practices were here, like meditation yoga are here for us to better facilitate us doing that it's not needed but it'll help right right yeah um it is it is difficult i mean to really find the 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 way of you know that that's why perhaps we have practices like meditation and yoga because like you said those are facilitators you know it, it can more easily lead us up to uh, more awareness and to become more conscious. Um, and, you know, when I kind of have an idea of enlightenment or what I'm trying to achieve with this whole meditation thing that I'm doing, it's for me, it's really like to become more like a child again. You know, sometimes mm. when I think back during my childhood, very vague memories still, but it's kind of everything was kind of interesting. You know, everything was to be explored. You know, now when I'm an adult, I feel like everything has a concept. Everything has yeah. a purpose. Everything has a label. And I use certain things for certain situations. And I can just walk through my entire day doing my task, doing what I have to do. 
without really exploring life, you know, and that's a very sad thing. And I think that many people sometimes get caught into that way of living, that we're just playing this sort of uh, character and all of the things around us just have different purposes for our own survival or whatever mm-hmm. uh, to keep this identity maintained. And we don't really get the chance to just stop and look around us and see what the fuck this is. Because yeah. it's, it's amazing if we think about it. It's like, what the hell is going on around us? Why does this shit exist? You mm-hmm. know? And, and there doesn't have to be a sort of ultimate answer to that. But just exploring it, you know, in a very curious way and, um, you know, just be very open to life and experiences and emotions and everything. I think that's really the essence of what I'm trying to reach, just becoming more childlike. Um, I I don't know if you would agree with me on that. Yeah, definitely, man. It's and I think it's um, it's just like a byproduct of for me it's like i don't try to be more childlike or more lighthearted it's just kind of like that that just what hap- what what is hap that just what happens when i practice or do any yeah. kind of exploration of the self i just kind of start to take it a lot less seriously and i think about things like oh why why was i worrying about x or mm. why was i thinking about z so much or you know there's just there's just a lot to unpack of what it means to be a human and when you unpack it i just kind of yeah, it's like re- it's a regaining process of our innocence in a way. You just yeah. kind of become more playful. And then um, from that, like, you might seem like, oh, I don't want to be like a kid again. Like, why would I want to, like, not act mature? But actually, it brings me to a state of enhanced creativity for yeah. some reason. Like, the, the way the, the it's kind of strange how it works. The less that I seriously I take my life, the more that I actually do take it seriously. But I don't even, like... Uh, I think not, I wouldn't say taking it serious is the right word. It's like, I just get more in the zone, if that makes sense. Like the, the, yeah. the more that I can just kind of enter a free flowing state of just whatever happens, happens and kind of touch upon that, that childlike innocence. I just be, I, it's like a flourishing and it makes me just happier too. It's right. a beautiful thing. Right. And there are of course levels to it. I mean, when perhaps when we try to describe being more childlike, some people might misunderstand that to think that it's being like less mature, which, which is, it, it isn't really. It's just, I'm trying to explain that it's more that you become more adventurous kind of in your own life for yourself. And uh, of course you can be careless about life and not take things quote unquote more seriously uh, and things can get really bad for you, you know. Yeah. But then, and then there's a level where you take everything too seriously, and it can be good or it can be bad. Uh, but it's like another level where you go kind of full circle, and it becomes a bit more paradoxical, like you explained. Like you take it less seriously, but at the same time, you get more in the zone, and therefore you get better results, and your life just flourish really. Uh, and taking it to that level, of course, is very interesting like how, how we do it and uh, how it can benefit our lives but when we actually see the benefits of it and we realize that oh shit like this it's actually possible then life becomes a lot more uh fun and, yeah uh, and actually very cool <laughs> yeah because i think it's like not necessarily like living as in the childlike form it's just being able to like tap into that Right. Like right. being able to, cause like most people don't have that innocence. Like when we grow up, we grow into 
our egos and we grow into this like just you know like you know, i guess being an adult like be like be quote unquote adult <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. being uh, like a cog in the system and you lose that as you just go to work and just have to pay the bills and our struggle it makes us lose that childlike innocence but when you can kind of like it's, it's always in there it's in all of our brains we were all kids when you mm-hmm. can touch upon that um it brings out that yeah it's like it brings out that sense of just like lighthearted creativity like uh you know what kids are always doing something kids are always getting into something they're always drawing pictures on the walls or like you know playing with play-doh or just doing their like they have creativity they have this just like knack to just explore the world be curious with their environment and then from there they just create like crazy things and that's kind of like what we need to touch upon like you're right you like we don't want to live there all the time but Mm -hmm. um, you know i think it's good that we can at least like tap into that and find out what that means for us because most people don't, we just lose like that sense of, uh, that's that sense of ourselves, like as we grow up, but yeah, it's not, it's not right. I don't think it's, I don't know. It's not right. Right. I mean, there are some ways that we as adults, you know, we can kind of like, for example, if we play a very good video game, we can kind of, it's, it is a bit like exploring a life, you know, when you're playing a video game, Mm-hmm. because you have that natural curiosity and so on and we can kind of use that as a sort of symbolism if you would make your life more into a sort of video game yeah <laughs> then it would be that natural curiosity would always be there um, mm-hmm. and you're not really living in fear either i mean when you're playing a video game you're pl- you know that you're playing a character you know you don't take it personally you know if it's not going that well no, so we can kind of do that to ourselves as well, uh, you know, to a certain degree, not not all the time, perhaps. <laughs> uh, yeah, and kind of see more, life more like a like a game, and because uh, it, uh, it is, right? It has the same thing. It has game like aspects. You know, there's certain rules in the system that we live in as certain things that we have to abide by. So it's just like, okay, let's. I like to think like, okay, let's make believe that I was just, I was incarnated into this body that to play a, a game with myself and in this game it's like we don't have full freedom that's why i think it's a game because if we had full freedom to do whatever we wanted to do then it wouldn't be a game it would be like having a cheat code on a game Mm. like having god mode in a game like no one likes cheat codes because it ruins the game it ruins the structure of it so because we we can't do whatever we want like per se in this bar like i can't just like get up and start flying to to the andromeda galaxy if i wanted to i'm I'm confined to my body because I have certain confinements and certain um, uh, structure that I have to live by in the system. For me, I see that as just like rules to the game. And there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of things that you have to learn. But I think, yeah, just being able to tackle it like that, like just to know that there's certain aspects and to know that it it actually might just be this game. Like it actually might be, (laughs) who Mm. knows? Uh, it's it's good. It's a good foundation, I would say, to how I make my decisions, because um, yeah, I don't know. It's important to like once you realize it's a game, then it's like, all right, then what are the rules? I think the first step is realizing that, like, wait a second, I am in this kind of weird simulation, but mm. but now the next step is then realizing, all right, then how do I play it better? And I think meditation and yoga for me personally are ways to play it better to or better align my character on a on a better uh with a better skill set you know like Mm. (laughs) up up the up the skill set or the xp on certain 
uh, you know, certain, you know, you can pick like certain traits or certain things for your character. Well, yeah. these practices are what kind of do that for me. Like they give me more power ups in, in my, yeah. in my, you know, like when you're on Skyrim and you pick like the different, the different traits for a character, it's kind of like that. Like I'm just, I'm able to like up certain levels doing like meditation or yoga or whatever. And, and, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, it's a very, very good way to structure your life, man, to be able to just think like, oh, this is, this might actually just be a very elaborate game with very good graphics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Right. And it's kind of like, um, I mean, I kind of imagine it, imagine like a like a software you know it's a software a game is really a software and um all of the characters let's say it's like an online game right and all of the characters are aware of their own character but they don't realize that they're all just part of the same software so Mm -hmm. what it actually is is just software around us that's it that's like the fundamental nature of reality it's just that it's just software and it's all let's just call it consciousness and us like being this person this perspective is kind of like the software having to become aware of itself like it needs kind of a purpose and so it has to create these beings that's aware of the software for it to exist i don't know Uh, that's just an analogy i heard (laughs) and that's kind of the way that i picture awakening and mm-hmm. uh, you know, connected to that game symbolism uh, explanation. So I actually believe that this is kind of the way that the universe is, or just life itself. It's just it is a game, and we are playing this character. You know, we are everything around us, but we're just exploring ourselves in this limited perspective, and that's why we cannot be in God mode because we are limited. Uh, so going beyond our limits through yoga meditation transcending through i don't know psychedelics music also is a great way by mm-hmm. the way. like music even just going out in nature nature as well yeah just connecting more to um just to the to the universe basically yeah anything anything that can help you feel connected to the simulation mm. <laughs> exactly it's- it, it's just, it can serve as a reminder that you're in this, you're just in this process of just software, just simply going about its programming. Anything yeah. that can bring you back to that state, then keep doing it, whatever it is, whatever right. can keep you on that wavelength, because it's easy to, to fall off the wagon and think you're just think you're like, you're not, you don't actually hold the controller to think you're just like this character that's caught in this crazy simulation but whatever you can do to, to take the reins of the controller and realize that you have control and you can you can play however you want, then do it. That's what I try to encourage people, whatever it is. And I also try to learn from others as well because I know that I don't I'm my practice isn't is definitely far from finished. There, there is no finished. <laughs> I right. can continually learn, like always be look for new avenues to to explore that other how other people explore and then maybe you can take it and try it on yourself you know uh but yeah whatever it is if you can just if you can continually be reminded of the code you know of the program yeah. of the matrix then um yeah that's it whatever whatever you have to do mm, right have you ever taken psychedelics Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean I haven't in a long time and that's the beautiful thing about these things I think is you just kind of 
if you just you know when you alan watt says when you get the message hang up the phone yeah um well i got the message and yeah. <laughs> it allowed me to kind of realize like whatever you know that like turning the light on myself on and seeing that i'm, I'm in the simulation that's what allowed me to kind of do it in a very fast manner and yeah. it wasn't just like using mushrooms uh it wasn't just simply that it was also because it was like an added basis to my practice. You know, it's kind of just like a, if I didn't have, um, if I didn't meditate, I probably wouldn't be able to get so much from what the mushrooms are. Cause pretty much what I did was just take mushrooms and meditate, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't, there's this, I've talked to a lot of people in real life and online. Well, actually mainly a lot of people in real life. And I, you know, ask them about their mushroom usage and, what they get from it they're like oh man you know saw like the colors and like the wall was like melting and like tv something on the tv was like coming out at me but i'm like yeah bro but what about how did you feel? like how did that feel for you did you like for me personally i there's one specific session where i took it and i just came to this like i felt everyone's suffering on earth and I couldn't do anything but just internalize that and just straight out ball my eyes out. Like I felt like what it felt to actually suffer. Like I got what it meant, what the first noble truth meant, what Buddha meant by um, life is suffering. I got that and, and it allowed me to internalize that. And uh, I, ever since then, I've never really looked back. Like I've kind of realized that everybody is going through their own suffering. Like whatever it is, we're all going through our own shit. No matter how much money somebody has, no matter how much clout somebody has, we're all going through it. Like no matter what. And, and that mm. mushroom session allowed me to really internalize what that meant. And yeah. it was more than just that too. There was also other emotional aspects like feeling this love i was like from the suffering i felt suffering of the people in in my own life that i knew and it allowed me to internalize that yeah and i was it, it, and i was like wow i just have to love these people <laughs> i just have to there's no other way than to to get around our own sufferings than to just approach people with that selflessness knowing that they are going through their own struggle because i fully it it kind of brought me to a sense of fully understanding that nobody is truly evil deep down we're all just kind of it's a spectrum of how lost we are like are we really really lost and making the wrong decisions for ourselves and people around us or you know maybe not so lost but we're all lost you know we're all kind of it just depends like how much you can bring yourself back to not be lost and mm -hmm. that session allowed me to um internalize that for some reason it just allowed me to open up some the put the key in the lock and open up the doors to that because i've heard that like i read i've read you know buddhist texts the suttas a little bit and dhammapada and I, I i understood it on a concept level but to actually experience what that means <clears throat> it's pretty powerful man and i guess some people would say that's like a form of christ consciousness or samadhi or whatever label you want to put on it but it was extremely power a powerful experience for me and all i did was take about i didn't even measure it out it was probably like four to five grams of mushrooms mm. and i just ate it until i felt something because terence mckenna says that he says if you don't feel it eat more so that's what i did i didn't <laughs> feel it i just kept eating until i felt it and then um 
it was just a crazy experience, man. It was insane. And I, like I said, I've never really left that realm of thought. Um, yeah, it's, I think in, if you are a yogi and you incorporate psychedelics into your life in a responsible manner, it can allow you to kind of reach certain states or get over certain things or just really kind of explore your own being a lot more than you would on the reg. I'm not encouraging people to do mushrooms. I, I only encourage responsible use, but if you, if you do use it responsibly, it can definitely help you um, see things and yeah. feel things that you've probably never really been able to feel. Right, and right. people might think that's like a cheat code or like cheating, but I mean, oh. maybe it is. I don't know. Really, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a part of if it, if you can experience it, you can say that it exists in a way. I mean, why would it be there? Why would you be able to experience it unless it, I mean, if it did not exist? So in a way, it is kind of a cheat code, but it's still a part of the the system. You know, it's yeah. just gaining access to it. I mean, it's not like it's a competition or anything. Like, to, like enlightenment isn't a competition. Like, if it is a cheat code, then I'll take it all day. I'll just cheat. Like, if, <laughs> if that's what it granted me, I don't really care, whatever. Because there's right. a lot of people, well, why don't you just do it? On, why don't you just do it naturally? Why can't you find it naturally? I'm like, well... It, like it doesn't really matter as long as it's making right. me a better person i'm not hurting anybody i'm not hurting myself it's just like i think as long as responsible usage with psychedelics um yeah. that's the way to go man you can you can definitely right. get off from it if you treat them with respect and know that these things are i say they're sacraments i think they can be used as a sacrament um if, if in the correct manner um and you can come to some revelatory mystical experiences but i'm mm. um, not not for everybody Definitely not for everybody. Like, right. I think the amount of people that are doing them nowadays don't really, they're probably like the amount, the percentage that are probably getting what I got or similar is probably not very high because you just no. have, you have to have the right set and setting. You have to approach it in the correct manner. And yeah. if you don't, then it's just going to be like, oh, the colors, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this TV show is so funny on Shreve. Yeah, Seriously. I just like, I'm like, like come yeah. on, man. It's way more important than that. Like what you these just things wasted are. like nature's, one of na nature's most like valuable resource on yeah. a stupid series. But hey, each his own, you know, if they. I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> not more. Each their own. I just yeah. don't understand it. You know, I just, I just don't really. For me personally, there are, like you said, they are nature's. I see him as nature's messenger. Dennis McKenna says they're, um, I think he says they're messengers of the guy in mind, and that's kind of how I feel. Like as in there, it's like Earth sending us some kind of message, and it seems to be a message along the lines of, "You guys got to get your shit together, and you guys got to stop being so mean to each other, and just love each other, and recognize that we're all the same thing, and we're all in this together." Somehow, I got that from a mushroom. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I hope that in the future, science will put a lot more investments into the research of psychedelics and making it more, you know, under conditions, of course, I mean, safe conditions, um, more like, because I know that I don't really know much about this topic, but I heard that psychedelics or specifically psilocybin mushrooms can be a very healing for you if you've had like a traumatic experience yeah uh, if you are under like if you're addicted to very heavy drugs then it can help you get away from those addictions and mm -hmm. uh, i mean these are amazing things you know and uh, research has been done on this so 
why not make this a more mainstream thing and like making it more uh, like valuable really and so that we can know the benefits of these things but it's it's always you know the the stigma around it and the the belief that people have and the government you know wants to control it because they i mean if people would become more wise then the the people who are like quote unquote in control would get less important you know less, yeah. less. so exactly. <laughs> obviously that's why they want to control these uh, substances and they don't want people to use them mm. I'm getting that's political here, from. but yeah. I think that's, we, we can't, we're living in the remnants of the drug war, but our world is slowly changing to kind of shoo away the old ways. Right. I, I think. Because, you know, just the fact that marijuana is becoming legalized all around the world, that's a, a huge stepping stone to mm-hmm. open people up to what these substances mean. Even though, like I said, people aren't using weed in the, because you can use cannabis in the same way that in a, you know, in a ritualistic kind of sacramental way. Um, but still, it's just starting the conversations, getting people thinking about it, whether however way they want to use it. But, you know, in the US and Canada, they're opening up, um, like they're doing a lot of research, allowing people with end of life um, terminal illnesses to be able to experience it. Um, Johns Hopkins is doing a lot of research on psilocybin. And, and, you know, there's a lot of cities that are in the U.S. that are, like, decriminalizing it or putting it on lowest priority, I guess, whatever you want to call it. But there's the world is slowly changing and opening up to it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it will be slowly integrated. It's just going to be a slow process of um, getting rid of the old ways and moving into the new world. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, you do have a point. It's like uh, these things do allow you to kind of... Uh, get rid of the the structures like the power structures in your mind and you realize that like you know that's not the truth that's not the way to live like the people in power don't want us to be free thinking they don't want us to know our true being right right i mean i don't know i don't know if that's just a conspiracy or if that's actually the truth <laughs> it could the, be. The way- I, I don't know either <laughs> <laughs> but the way that i see the world changing like if if these people the quote-unquote powers that be didn't want us to have power then they wouldn't have even legalized weed because that is the hugest thing that cannabis does for mm-hmm. people it's kind of just like allows people to uh kind of like take apart the, the 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 control mechanisms of the world that kind of like you know there's a certain that kind of like rebelliousness to a stoner in a way mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. allows you to like see things from a different perspective you know cannabis is a psychedelic in its own right in its own you know in its own use so Mm. i don't think even if the powers that be wanted to keep power they would definitely not have let the lid off of what marijuana does because now the cat's out of the bag now that we know that cannabis is um not the devil's lettuce and not what what everybody thought it was it's everybody you know it's becoming accepted all over the world in the u.s it's going to be legalized probably within this year or next year and it's going to become one of the hugest industries probably um, it's going to be huge i already because i say that because i actually work in the industry in um in the u.s and i I see just so like bro i see so much weed on a regular basis (laughs) it's insanity and i can just see where the world is going so it's going to become one of the biggest industries in the u.s and it's i mean ultimately it's not driven by like people a free thinking people it's driven by profit but either way we're still getting the job done so what i'm trying to say is if 
if the powers that be really were so concerned about conserving their power and not wanting to open up people's minds, I don't think there would be that much cannabis going through and being sold to people at this point, because that's kind of like the start. Like if you, you know, if you can, some people might smoke a joint and then it might change their way of thinking totally. Like it can be a psychedelic experience in itself. So, I mean, yeah, I got hope. I have optimism. I guess. I, I, I guess also with psychedelics, I mean, there was a case in Amsterdam where there was a young girl who, uh, she ate like magic mushrooms, um, Mm -hmm. and she jumped from a window or something. I don't really know what it was, but there's been certain cases where, you know, they've kind of connected the use of psychedelics to, uh, very, very bad cases. And of course, people who cannot control the experience, you know, or just get try to control it too much and they get panicked and then they don't know what to do and they think they've gone insane they might that might have very negative consequences of course so education around that substance should be a priority in that case if it would become more um if it would become legal yeah now i don't know really about the the cannabis culture in uh, the united states but i know that it's legal in some states right um, yeah, I don't know the exact number, but it's a good majority of states. Right, right. And um, so I don't know, like, do, do you get more education on the uses of usage of cannabis? Or has it just been that they've just opened up stores and started selling? Or has there been so, some other type of way of integrating it into the culture? It's just stores, man. It really is. Like, they call it medical marijuana, but that's just a farce. Like, it's right. it's just a... Uh, I can I can go down to a doctor, quote unquote, and say I have a headache or I can't sleep, and they'll give me a card because oh. I gave them a hundred dollars and they'll allow me to get quote unquote medical marijuana. It's really just opening oh. up stores, which is insane to me because you can have like a high gram, a high dose edible of cannabis and have it just be a, an absolutely exploratory experience of your own being, like just like a whole psychedelic experience. Mm. And they're selling it to just everybody, which is great. I think you should have the freedom to do that. But yeah, there is no education aspect to it. Right. There is, there's no really like integration because people think for some reason that cannabis is the same thing as beer or the same thing as like cigarettes and, and, uh, and coffee, like on the same lines, but it's mm. really not. But that's just like, for some reason, the idea that we have of it, yeah. um, it's, 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 it's its own, it's its own plant medicine by itself right, uh, right which but i think i believe that everybody should have the freedom to sell it and take it if they want because you know you're not going to overdose on it and you're, i don't think you're going to jump out of any windows or anything it's not <laughs> it's not really the same effect as like mushrooms right. but um yeah there's no education whatsoever dude there's, there's just mm-hmm. stores you go down the store show your id and you get some some cannabis yeah i, I don't think that's going to be the way for um other psychedelics though i think there's the, how it's going to start off with is going to be like uh, therapeutic clinics and you go in if you have like you know you probably have to f- have a certain process of um saying why you want to go through this experience and then it might take a little bit of time and then you you go in for we'll say i don't know four to eight hours and you sit with a an actual therapist and go through the psychedelic trip and have it be uh, i guess guided and aided and you get the pretty much it's just like a i think it's going to be structured as like a therapy session just you know, there's going to be a little bit of mushrooms involved. And I think that's probably, that's the most effective way to go about incorporating this into our reality because you don't yeah. take mushrooms if you're, if you're feeling good, 
you know i mean actually people do but i don't think the i think the 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 whole basis of what it is is we need to be able to incorporate these things that that heal us when yeah. in the the base the best way to like heal i would think is if you have an ailment is you sit down with an actual therapist and open up and and confront things that you didn't even know you needed to confront with this therapist and uh yeah just like a really responsible responsible and educated way to approach it rather than having mushroom dispensaries right (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean i think everybody should have the freedom to do it though because there's one side of me that says like well if these are 100% legal, it's going to be crazy because people don't really know what they are. And there's going to be some horrible experiences, most likely. Well, not probably not the majority, but there will be because people are dumb. And people do crazy stuff. Yeah. But then there's the other side that I'm like, uh, well, I think everybody should have that freedom to do it if they want to do it. But there's also going to be, there needs to be controlled because it's such a powerful substance. So I don't know what to listen to. Like, is it freedom? Do I want, you know, it's something that grows on the ground and it's like literally, it might be a messenger from the guy in mind. Do I listen to that voice in my head or do I listen to like the, the safe way, the therapeutic way? I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. Mm, right, right. I mean, in my country, Sweden, weed is classified as the same thing as like cocaine or heroin you know so mm-hmm. here it's like a whole different ball game so to speak yeah um and you know it same like with alcohol i mean alcohol is a very very dangerous drug and uh if you misuse that you can end up in serious trouble you know more trouble yeah. probably than any psychedelic or weed or whatever so but but still we have a monopoly on alcohol here in sweden so we only sell it at like one specific store at specific times <laughs> so you cannot buy it you know in the supermarket or anything and yeah. their entire way of marketing you know that company is by it's run by the state so their entire strategy is to not market at all and try oh. to decrease the sales of alcohol which is actually a good thing so i believe that if weed would become legalized here then they would do the same system and provide hopefully a lot of education as well as they do with the alcohol. So that would be a way that I think Sweden would approach it. So I was just curious if there's something, there was something similar in the United States, but I see that there's not, but uh, when it comes to psychedelic use, perhaps that's more, uh, a lot more intense and uh, uh, you need to be educated. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the, the people that jump out windows, they just ruin it. They got something going on behind the scenes that the mushrooms allowed them to unveil. I've never felt like jumping out of a window. I've taken <laughs> right. mushrooms a lot. I've, there's never been a point where I'm like, I got to jump out of this window right now. Like <laughs> those people like have to be in, they had to have some like deep dark demons that they're just not confronting and they just couldn't handle it at that moment. And it's unfortunate right. that it happened, but it's just like, you know, like, don't let the minority ruin it for the majority of people, the millions of people that it could help. Exactly. Exactly. Because we don't, like you said, with alcohol, we don't have that same mindset toward that. Like, you know, there's there's millions of car accidents, overdoses, um, mm. abuse, physical, emotional abuse from it. Nobody bats an eye. Right. It, but it's still 100% legal. There's no education around alcohol either, I'm pretty sure. Like, no one, like, mm. told you, like, hey, man, you know, maybe don't want to have 10 beers or eight beers. You just want to, like, keep it at two or three or something. 
There's no, yeah. I, I don't know. It's a, it's like hypocrisy in a way. Like we're, we're approaching like this, this mushrooms and psychedelics with so much safety and scrutiny, which is good. I definitely agree with it. But it's also mm. like, on the other hand, we have this thing. Once you turn, I don't know what the age is in Sweden, but in the U.S. is 21. Once you turn 21, yeah. have at it. You can drink all you want. <laughs> Just have at it. Just go and have some fun, man. Go party. And it's so ingrained in our culture, too. Exactly. It's, just, yeah. it's craziness. Like It's literally like they, <laughs> they sell us a drug that that decrease i mean i like alcohol I don't, i'm not i'm not gonna say i i completely hate it and i'm against it because i think it's in the right setting it's fun and it can allow some for some good times but i mean the majority of times probably aren't the best like it it, it decreases i think it literally decreases our kind of vibration in a way like there's a kind yeah. of i don't know like after i drink i just feel like i might feel like calmer i might feel like a little more I don't know, just happy in a way, but it's not real. Like there's a difference. Right. It's like artificial. It's like an easy, quick way to, to feel pleasure, but it's not pleasure. Isn't happiness. And it's just, uh, right. Right. I don't know. It's yeah. just, uh, it's just marketed to us. So like, yeah, everybody should drink, have a beer, bud light, this buds for you. And it's just, it's like kind of, they're selling us poison quite literally. Mm. It's tough. Right. But like you said, it's so like, inside of our, our, our culture really so it's like the culture has kind of transcended the law in that sense so i i believe that you know if if marijuana would be more integrated into the culture then obviously it's going to become legal eventually because the culture is by the people and so it's usually like what the majority of people want and uh yeah just let's see what happens i don't know how long I'm going to live, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be interesting in the future to see the way that government will deal with these questions of psychedelics and cannabis and so on. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, as uh, I think it's, they're going to be, have to be incorporated no matter what, because like I said, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's no stopping at this point. It's just, you have to get with it or, or, there's going to be a lot of people doing it on the black market. There already is. <laughs> There's already a lot of people doing it behind the scenes that really yeah. either don't speak about it or just have no way to really speak to with anybody about it. But there's a lot of, there are a lot of people that are exploring it and this is just the beginning. Yeah. Right. Right. Awesome, man. Like when I was, you know, I have not done psychedelics myself. But like the, the closest thing I've gotten to psychedelics is sitting down in my room or just laying down completely dark and listening to Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. <laughs> like from beginning to finish. Wow. For me, that's a psychedelic experience. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I, that's uh, like, that's agree like with my that. way that I've done so it. So nothing else? You just kind of put headphones on and just listen to the album? Yeah, man. That's a different way to approach music because think about it. When we listen to music, it's usually like, oh, I put it in the background while I wash the dishes or like while I do X or Y or Z. But, but to actually sit down with such a powerful album too, to yeah. actually just sit down and take it in for what it is, right. um, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I can definitely see how that can be a psychedelic experience, man. <laughs> how often do we listen to music like that? For me personally, I don't just sit down and listen to music. Most of the time, I'm like, there's something else that's, um, that's taking my attention. And that's yeah. kind of just like in the background, like it's literally like background music 
But if the, yeah, to fully internalize that and meditate with it, that's pretty yeah. cool. I might have to try that tonight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> try it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, wow. It's been a very intense episode and it's been great to have your opinions on certain things. And it's also great to getting to know you because you're a very interesting guy and uh, you have a lot of cool things to say. Get, got me thinking a lot, a lot of insights. So I want to thank <laughs> you for that. And I want to thank you for joining this episode. I, I also hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. You're just as interesting and I can't believe it's already been over an hour. You know, like, <laughs> time flies when you like, you know, like, I don't know. I see this as like an exploration of uh, my own mind. You know, like the, the things that I say and the things that I ask aren't, they're not on paper. Like I don't plan anything out. So this is kind of like a, the, all these conversations are almost like a meditation experience in themselves because it's kind of just me blurting out stuff that's just comes to me in this moment. It's pretty cool. It's like a different way to explore ourselves, you know? Right. Exactly. And it's also during the actual conversation, like I, you get insights perhaps about questions that you haven't thought of and you come up with questions. I also, I don't plan my questions that I'm going to ask. It's also very spontaneous. It's just this kind of exploration of the mind that because of the help from another person. And I think that's really a valuable thing. And I think that something like this is also, like you said, almost like a meditative experience. Yeah. You get to, you get to explore a part of yourself very intensely and you almost don't have a choice because if the other person is, you know, going very deeply inside a topic, then you have to go there as well. So it's like kind of cooper cooperative thing. Yeah. It's like a cooperative meditation in a way. It's a different yeah. way. I mean, it's a very, it's a way that I actually just explored and just found out when I started my podcast, but coming to do have experience with it, I realized like, yeah, it's a different way to kind of, like, like I say, peel the layers back. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's cool. Like, you know, if you're just meditating, then it's literally just you. But if, if it's me and you, then you might have a different perspective on something that I didn't even see before. And the same goes to you. And it's just a, uh, it's a win-win for both parties and anybody listening too. Absolutely. And for all of you who have been listening, I hope you really, really enjoyed this episode. And uh, remember that um, this is the fourth season. And uh, I hope that if you have not checked out the previous seasons, please do that. Uh, check out my Instagram, Conscious Motivations. Check out my YouTube channel, Conscious Motivations. And of course, check out Gary Haskins' The Conscious Perspective on YouTube. Uh, is there any other platform or anything that you would like to uh, mention to the audience that could perhaps where they could find out more or something? Um, actually, I just have my YouTube channel and my website right now. I don't have any social media because I just, I don't know. I guess I just don't haven't felt the need to, even though I probably should for marketing reasons. <laughs> but if, if anyone's listening in the future and I do have some kind of social media, um, uh, it'll just be like Gary Haskins, you know. I'm just going to go by my name, most likely. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. All right. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Everyone listening, have a great day. And remember to stay conscious.